Hello there. Welcome to the podcast, which you're about to listen to right now. Uh, It is called Talking Picture Talk. My name is Sean. I am one half of the hosts of this podcast, uh, the other being Joe. Um, This is a little cold open I'm doing here. We recorded this podcast a while ago, maybe about a month or two. I don't even know at this point. But back then, the podcast was uh, called, what was it, The Last Podcast Show, which is a fun little play on an old movie called The Last Picture Show, which neither Joe nor myself have even seen before. Um, I decided last minute in the interim while sitting in a cubicle to call this uh, podcast Talking Picture Talk. So that's what it is now. Uh, and I'm sticking to it. Don't try to talk me out of it. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, there's plenty more to come. I can assure you of that. And uh, we hope you enjoy what you're about to hear. This is Talking Picture Talk, Episode 1. Let's do this. Episode one. I'm excited, Sean. Here I'm we are. Very excited for this. New um, podcast. So excited that we have not prepared. Not at all. Winging it. Yep. Just just basically just figured out the audio after doing a separate podcast for 54 <laughs> episodes. I still don't know how to work work the audio. Uh, but but this is this is uh, going to be some movie talk. What, what do you what do you prefer? Do you prefer movie, film, picture, flick, joint like Spike Lee joint? Like in referring to yeah, a movie. What, what do you yeah. call, what do you call um, it? I usually just go movie. Yeah, filmed, film can, yeah, feels film. too pretentious, but that's probably my number two. Yeah, and then everything else is just flick. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guess know, I, I, don't, I guess flick is uh, is is I, I don't I don't mind mind flick, but uh, but of course the title of of this podcast. Uh, thank you, D, for for the assist. There is the last podcast show as opposed to the last picture show. Classic, which is a, is a movie I've never seen. <laughs> I, th- I feel like it's like 1971. Jeff Bridges was like 30 in it. Yeah, he's he's like 100. He's been yeah. acting for like 50 years. I also feel like Peter Bogdanovich like wore the purple handkerchief like around his neck at all times, and I think right. that's why he got to direct movies. I don't think there's any talent there. I think he had like three a run of three movies in like the 70s. I don't know. Maybe we'll see that at, yep. at some point, but uh, but today we're going to get into our top five movies of the year thus far. We're we're a little over halfway through the calendar year. Although I don't, and I don't know how you did this, but I don't really f- operate when it comes to movies by the calendar year. I go Oscar to Oscar. So all of my movies yeah. came out after the Academy Awards and are eligible for next Academy Awards. Right. Yeah. Like I saw Phantom Thread like on January third or something. So that's technically calendar year, but it was last Oscar. So I, I don't I don't really factor that in when right. I do the. Uh, the years, but um, but one thing I was thinking about, uh, two two pieces of news came out sort of around the same time, uh, this week. One one was not really a piece of news; it was a trailer. The trailer for Glass. Did you see that? I actually have not seen it. So trailer Jens for is going to be pissed. <laughs> yes, trailer for Glass comes out. The uh, new M Night Shyamalan uh, film and the the final chapter, I think, in the Unbreakable Split series. Yeah. Um, and around the same time. I guess that came out. Uh, I read news that it's official that Todd Phillips is directing a Joker movie and Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. And, and maybe that's the only reason these two are in my head at the same time. But what, what one of those two movies, and you haven't seen the glass trailer, but I'm going to tell you that it looks like just horrible. Like it it does not, it's one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of split loved unbreakable. (laughs) 
Um, I, I can give you. I can basically reenact a glass trailer for you because it's for some reason David Dunn is in a like a Arkham type asylum with Mister Glass and the McAvoy Beast character or right. whatever whatever his his real name is. But uh, and then there's like a doctor and it's it's some chick I can't remember who plays her and she's just like. Oh, you think you're superheroes? Well, I, I I work and tell people when they are when they're not superheroes. I try to fix people who think they're superheroes, and it's like, oh, there's a train. For, <laughs> she's just like, train. it's almost like I forget about forget about the last two movies. You're not superheroes, and I'm going to prove why you're just crazy people. But I, I still don't know why he's in there, so I'm excited to figure out why he's in there. But uh, not really excited for that, and uh, I am excited for this standalone Todd Phillips Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix, mainly yeah. because Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. Yeah. Um... I hate the reboots of characters over and over and over again. No, Joker is, seems to be a big this one. This is only but, ten, the tenth time, <laughs> right? I know, but yeah, it's given the given the actor director. He he's the guy that did the Hangover. Hangover, old school. Yeah, that's yeah. I, oh, that's interesting. I, I mean, he's probably the smart guy. He's writing it too, and he got Joaquin Phoenix involved somehow. And it seems like a weird, kind of a weird move for Joaquin Phoenix, but. He wants to do, and it's like, I mean, they say it's a low budget, but it was something like $5 million to make it or whatever, um, and it's just kind of a backstory. So I don't I don't know if it's going to follow the Killing Joke comic where it's like he's a failed comedian who falls into like a vat of acid, but I I, I just, I, I don't see why we, we need it right now right. other than a money grab, mm-hmm. but it's odd that Joaquin Phoenix would do it if it is just a studio money grab because you know people are going to go see a movie about the joker because everyone still thinks of of heath ledger in it so i don't for sure yeah I, I'm, I'm not excited for glass and i'm not excited for this this joker movie which is a 2019 release i believe um but we'll see but yeah you got to see that that glass trailer and uh so just uh, nothing to really look forward to in terms of the big budget action mm. well joker movie apparently not that big of a budget yeah but. I, I mean i don't look forward to him either but uh, you know what i'll tell you one thing though i just watched unbreakable again Recently, and M. Night Shyamalan, it's not a surprise to anyone hearing this that he can't write any dialogue at all. And it just sounds so unnatural when people talk. But there's that that scene in Unbreakable, and it's so good. It's when, like, Samuel Jackson's character is a kid, and the mom gives him a comic book for the first time. And she says, like, I hear this one has a surprise ending. Mm -hmm. It's just awesome because then there is a surprise ending in that movie. So it's, it's like, like cheesy and weird. And I I just, I, I, like, that's... That scene in Unbreakable is my favorite scene, and that's probably why I'll see this Glass movie, just because I like yeah. that scene so much. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's really nothing to look forward to, unfortunately. Yep, movies are dead. Yeah, well, it's over. all right, so that's a wrap. <laughs> the one episode podcast. Uh, well, no, nothing to look forward to, but but I actually have some some fond things to look back on um, for our uh, our top five movies of the year thus far. It's for, for like the dead season of, of movies, when you really get into the... Like February, March, April, maybe not so much February, I guess March, April, May, and then, of course, the summer summer trash. Um, I actually saw a lot of good movies, and so this list was actually sort of difficult to make, but uh, but let's just let's jump right in. Um, yeah, I'm curious about your list, because yeah. mine, I just said right before we start rolling, it's I've seen eight movies, and one, two, <laughs> three, four of which were uh, Marvel slash superhero related, so. I have not seen any superhero movies this year the only the only wait yeah no the only action i've seen has been that jurassic park movie which i liked everyone hates that movie for for i don't I, why why are people so protective of like old steven spielberg stuff like i wouldn't want to see a reboot of jaws but i mean the kevin smith moose jaws is probably going to be good <laughs> which he just describes as moose with 
or a Jaws with a moose. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good installment of the Jurassic. It's not like some great movie franchise that they're like shitting on it. It's Jurassic Park. It was I a think f- fine movie. Missed the nostalgia of like the animatronics, and then this one comes through and like I don't know. Yeah, it, with the CGI, it just blows it all away. It, it does, and I really didn't even remember the first Jurassic Park, and I watched it on a plane recently, and it's it's like fairly interesting and, and fairly good. Um, but yeah, it it I don't know. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the the most recent installment. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it now. I've seen 15 movies in theaters this year, and no. Yeah, no uh, superheroes. I saw Super Troopers too. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did you catch that one? I didn't. Yeah. Yikes! I, I mean, those guys are funny. It's amazing they couldn't just yeah. put out a funny movie. Anyway, we're wasting time here, so let's, let's jump in. Uh, Shawnee, what is your fifth favorite movie of the year so far? We'll go five to one. Five being five to one. Five being the uh, not the worst, but you know what I mean. Oh man, get the gist. Um, when I said I didn't prepare, I mean I wrote stuff down. Shawnee really, <laughs> really didn't prepare. No, nah, I just have the names <laughs> written on my phone. But I didn't know how what order I was gonna go in. <laughs> um, I have a Quiet Place on here. Okay. Krasinski directed horror film. Yeah. Film movie. Um, did you see that? I did. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had that I as really my my it. honorable mention. Um, that's your honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I liked. I'm not. I'm not I mean, like. Yeah, I, I thought it was overhyped. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. It, I, I heard mean, people calling it like one of the best horror movies. That happens. Ever. That happens, and it was not all the time. Yeah, like there, every every horror movie that comes out is the best horror movie ever. Remember when we saw the Babadook at that? What's yeah. it called? The um, yeah, yeah. Um, the little theater in Philly, the uh, Philly Film Society Theater. I know what you're talking. Yeah, uh, it's called Roxy. The Roxy. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically just a guy's living room, and right. I think he like videotapes people watching watching yeah, movies yeah. on like his TV. Um, but that was supposed to be like, and I, I really liked that movie and I, I think, I think you liked it too. I thought it was great. But like, it wasn't the best, like, it's hard to determine what, what makes something the best horror movie. Like that movie was, was pretty scary. Um, I mean the most scared in a the theater I've ever been was the ring when I was like 12. And then the second time was when I was like 17 and the first paranormal activity came out. Cause that was just like, that was just like titillating. But, but those terrified me. Quiet Place, the Babadook, that Goodnight Mommy movie and, and Hereditary as well from this year. I don't know. I don't know if you saw that or. Um, or not, but it didn't make my list. It's still a good movie, though. But th- that just gets thrown out. Everyone calls everything the best horror movie ever. But A Quiet Place at least is an interesting twist on horror movies. Yeah, and I thought he did a good job with it, directing wise. Yeah, he's he's probably uh, going to surprise people. I think with his directing chops, he he directed that um, that brief in- interviews with hideous men, that yeah. David Foster Wallace book <laughs> adaptation. Right. That was. That, that was not very strong. I didn't um, read anything good about that. No, that was that was wise. not not a very good movie. And then he directed um, a movie called The Hollers, which I didn't see, and I think it was nah. maybe in theaters for a brief time. But it got I think it got decent reviews. And then he comes out with this, and it's like, wow. But I think that the one thing that really benefited him as a director was he got his wife Emily Blunt, who's a really good actress, to play the lead in that, and she's really 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 good in that movie. Yeah. Um, number five on my list also. Are you done with uh, Quiet Place? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I assume most people... That's probably one actually most people have, have probably seen that'll from our list. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. that was uh, that was like... I don't know what it finished at making at the box office, but but I'm sure it was a ton. Um, number five on my list is Tully. Did you see that? No. So it's from... Directed that, by Jason Reitman. Right, with Charlize. Uh, with okay. Charlize yeah. and written by Diablo Cody. So they were the team behind Juno and Young Adult. Juno had like... That was... That 
that movie was a huge darling. Like that was Oscar nominated and Ellen Page and Reitman got nominated for director and she wins an Oscar. Um, two, the two movies that won, that one original screenplay, you know what won adapted screenplay that same year? I don't. No Country for Old Men. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Two, very, two, two, two of the better Deserving. screenplays of the last uh, last 20 years yeah. or so. Um, so for some reason, Young Adult got kind of swept under the rug and that's a pretty good movie. Like, I yeah, really I enjoy, I enjoy that movie. Um, so Tully sort of looks like that, but um, I just think those two really work well together. Like, it's almost, it's it feels like a writer-director. It feels like like the same person wrote and directed the movie, you, you know what I mean? But it's a totally different voice, but he just, I think, yeah. gets her voice really well, and then mm-hmm. Charlize certainly gets it. Um, but she's just, she, I mean, she's pretty good at anything. She gained 50 pounds for this. Wow. And that's my one kind of beef with it. It's like, all right. Just because you have a kid, and and maybe the, the movie actually, I was I was looking at this, and you could make it well. F- definitely four of my five movies are about depression, <laughs> and the one you can make a case. <laughs> so it could be all five about depression. But uh, so the the premise of Tully is a forty year old woman has a has another kid, um, uh, sort of an accident. I guess definitely an accident. Um, her husband's played by Ron Livingston, who's just like a like. A sweet, just Ron Livingston. He's just like a sweet guy, but yeah. doesn't really, uh, doesn't really contribute much. So she has this kid and uh, is is just going through a, a total total depression. Um, uh, and I know it's getting a lot of they don't want you to call it postpartum depression. It's getting some sort of backlash because of that. But I guess that's what it is. So her brother, played by uh, Mark Duplass, nice. <laughs> he's actually good. And he's like he's just like a he's like a rich prick, but he's a yeah. uh, he's good. So he he hires her a night nanny. Um, so it's her relationship with with this this night nanny. Um, so the the one thing that I just I didn't really jive with two things actually with the movie that sort of lowered it on my on my list a little bit. Um, first off, she's like she she looks like wear a bra around the house like like the baby like throws up on her shirt and she just takes it off. So it's just like oh look she gained weight look here's her stomach this is Charlie Starr and this is not yeah. but you don't know I mean. You don't. You can make anyone look like anything in the movies these days. Sure, so yeah. I didn't know that until after I read it. I assumed it was just like a CGI type thing. And the other thing, the husband character Ron Livingston, he, he reminded me. You know that Brian Regan joke about like the commercials for like yogurt. Yeah. And it's, it'll be like, like the the wife will be in the fridge and like pulling out the yogurt, and he's like, he's like, and then the husband's, like, he's like tangled up in the blinds, <laughs> and she's like saying all the good things about, it and he's just like a complete idiot, and he's like shouting over, <laughs> he's like shouting over, is it good for me too? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it is. So they, they kind of just play it like he's completely useless. Yeah. And in a way, I, I guess he is, and then it doesn't. Kind of the way the movie ends doesn't jive with that exactly, but it's still like an enjoyable movie. There's there's a little bit of uh, there's some curves in there, but but it's it's definitely definitely an interesting movie, and, and I think it's worth worth seeing. Number four on your list, Shawnee. All right, um, oh, this is tough. I think I don't know where this would sit. This might I should have probably just made this an honorable mention, but I just want to throw it in. Yeah. Um, sorry to bother you. Did not say directed it. by Boots, Boots Riley. Riley. <laughs> can, um, can you give me? Everyone has seen the trailer for this movie because it's everywhere. I don't know. I don't understand what it's about. Can you just give me the? Okay. Uh, yeah. The, so there is like a linear kind of story. Like okay. guy down on his luck lives with his uncle, played by Lakeith Stanfield. The get out. Guy yeah, Riley. yeah. He's actually he's great though. He's a great actor. That's what I hear. He lives with his uncle, no money, decides to get a job telemarketing, 
like really rises through the ranks at the telemarketing place, it starts to like steal his soul and who he used to be. Basically. How's Danny Glover? Great. Actually. Is he really? Is he everyone's lot? everyone's good? No, not really. Yeah, <laughs> but when yeah. he is, he's good. Right. Um, that's like the gist of it. It just weaves in and out of like sanity and reality so much that it's like it loses me then brings me back then throws you up and down and all around and there's a scene in the trailer where it looks like army hammer like the trailer (laughs) makes it look like it's a linear it's so different from the trailer okay that's what i figured um but yeah there's that part in the trailer where it's army hammer and he's like offering him money or something like it almost seems like a. I mean, I don't don't spoil anything, but it almost right. seems like a like a dream sequence that doesn't. It just didn't fit. But so many things seem like a dream sequence, and then you don't. Okay. I mean, someone said like, I loved this. They said it was like a Misha. What's his name? Michelle Gon. Michelle Gondry. Oh, uh, Michelle Gondry. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, he directed like Science of Sleep. Um, um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. All those like kind of dreamy Why? surreal movies they said it's like he directed the room by tommy myself <laughs> it's true because there are so many because he like utilizes all the michelle gondry techniques and camera work and all yeah. that and then there's parts where like the scene ends abruptly or like they open up something and you think it's gonna go somewhere they never go back to it it's like a plot point okay it's so bizarre it yeah it seems I, I, the i guess the i don't know i i, I I, I've seen I've seen probably over the course of my life ten thousand movies, and I can I cannot tell you the theme of any movie. Like that was a big like thing in like school. All right, what's the yeah. theme of this novel? I'm like I uh, but it, it's I guess the point they're trying to get across is like, is it like this is what black people put up with that you don't know about? Isn't there some sort of like? I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to like find the themes. You have to sift through a lot of stuff they do like like at least from, i mean they definitely the trailer, they do like the white voice yeah so yeah. yeah they definitely focus on race and like the part that plays in the working world okay yeah that's that's sort of what i was what i was gathering from reviews that i read and stuff like that uh so worth worth checking out see that's the thing that's why i wanted to bring it up because this is that <laughs> <Nah>, sucks <laughs> now nah, this is the one movie where i left thinking like i want to recommend this to people and i don't at the same time <clears throat> I didn't like this. I loved parts of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever felt more indifferent about a movie mm-hmm. ever. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I know. I'm glad you, I saw it because I, I wanted. Yeah. It was. It did really good at Sundance and that, or, or no, South by Southwest mm-hmm. back in March. That's when I first heard about it, and I've been wanting to see it ever since. So I'm glad I got out to see it. Um, yeah, that's definitely so like crazy, one of those movies though. that just looks nuts gets a ton of buzz and yeah and and it yeah it, it, it's wild you can wait for it to come out <laughs> or you can see it not catch it on hulu yeah there's um, gonna be nobody in the theater if you go <laughs> i tell you that oh really <laughs> i went like it was the opening weekend i think there's like 10 people and there's just none there yeah. where, where do you see it at uh regal yeah so it's playing at mainstream theaters yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. an art art house thing yet yeah, it's, it's, out it's a big movie lakeith stanfield what's do you know what's next for him i don't it's gotta have something big coming out i, I would imagine Everyone from that Get Out movie. Yeah. What's Dana Kaluuya doing? I actually don't know. I hope Allison Williams never works again. I think Bradley Whitford was doing <laughs> something. But um, all right. Uh, my number, what am I on? Four? Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's going to be a long one. All right. First Reformed, uh, starring Ethan Hawke, written and directed by Paul Schrader. Uh, okay. You see this one? Nope. All right. So uh, the synopsis, Ethan Hawke plays a, 
a uh, Protestant minister um, who he was an ex. Uh, I'm not really spoiling anything. This is all pretty much in the first two minutes. He was an ex military chaplain, encouraged his son to join the military. His son was killed in the military. He uh, separates from his wife, goes into this depression again, um, becomes just a, a functioning alcoholic, but just, I mean, drinks more in the course of his move than I have my entire life. And he runs this like really small chapel that they call the museum. And it's kind of like the sister to this mega church that's, that's funded by like, it's just Cedric the entertainer is a minister there. And it's just huge. It's like a stadium church. If you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they call his church, the museum. He gives like tours of because it's like a really old church. Uh, so anyway, there's like five parishioners. One of them is played by uh, Amanda Seyfried and her um, husband and her are having some issues. She's pregnant. Uh, the husband is a environmental activist, but sort of turning into uh, a little bit past activism and, and um, uh, going into like extremism. So Ethan Hawke, the movie set up with just a, a great scene, the best, by far the best acting Ethan Hawke's ever done in his life. Him and this guy, I can't remember the other actor's name. He's really good too. And they're just talking about the environment and the role God plays in that in the environment and the question is, can God forgive us for what we've done to the environment? And I hate this stuff, but I still yeah. like this movie. Um, and I, I think it it looks for, it really does look for that healthy medium between extremism and activism. And and I think the other the other through line is okay. Ethan Hawke's character is an alcoholic. He's suffering consequences from being an alcoholic. He's his body is just breaking down. The world around him is breaking down. He's looking for. For or he he and he just is in a crisis after talking to this guy. So, um, there's there's one scene in the movie that just pulls me out. And again, I I don't I don't necessarily think I'm I'm giving anything away. Um, I mean the movie came out like two months ago. You should have seen it. So, uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to even set up because the movie is very straightforward. Very here's a story, but there's a scene where, um. The Amanda Savory character and the Ethan Hawke character uh, are they're, they're laying. It's not it's not sexual, but they're laying on top of each other, like fully clothed. And they're laying on top of each other, and there's a really nice looking, well done scene where they just levitate off the ground, and they're just in the room, but they're levitating off the ground. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Then they start flying, and it's so poorly done. They're flying through it, you know, like in Lebowski when he has a dream and he's yeah. flying. That's that's I swear to God, that's what, like obviously the cones are doing that as a joke. Right. That's what it looks like, and he's flying over like like landfills and like so smokestacks. Like, is it like really bad green screen? It's or is it like just really bad CGI? It, it's just really it's, bad. It's got to be together. green screen, and it's just it's horrible. And it's like I don't necessarily. It just sucks you right out of the movie. So. Yeah. Somebody, a friend of mine told me that that scene is the reason that he's seeing like all these, at first he sees like beautiful waterfalls and, and forests and all this great earth happy stuff. And then he sees all the earth negative stuff, which is the, you know, cars and traffic in LA and, and a tire fire and all this crap. And it's because although he's like in this intimate moment with this, this beautiful woman, he can't get his mind off of the environment. And it just, that's fair. And, and if, if and I agree with that, that's probably what it is. And if you just are okay with that, it's fine. But how much, you know, and not having seen the scene, how much does the meaning of the scene and the execution of what it looks like on film? What, what do you what do you put more weight in? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because um, I, I don't do it if you can't make it look good. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's how it looks. Paul, Paul Schrader is what I would go with. Paul Schrader is just she's completely nuts. Um, 
But there's a lot of interesting stuff in, in this movie, especially with the Cedric the Entertainer character. So his church is funded by uh, this like big conglomeration that pollutes, of course. And, right. um, you know, there's that old, uh, I can't remember where the saying came from, but the movie There Will Be Blood, the whole saying is when ambition meets faith, there will be blood. And this guy's having like a crisis of faith and a lot of it has to do with greed of of these the bad guys in the movie yeah. so to speak um definitely definitely worth worth seeing uh ethan hawk is really good in it and and the other um the other thing that I, I i just wanted to wanted to mention about it is is the ending is just great like the ending's great and paul schrader always says that the movie should continue out on the sidewalk so i think he wrote himself to this ending paul schrader wrote taxi driver raging bull a lot of the old scorsese movies um he directed that movie affliction with nick or was nick nolte yeah that he I think it was nominated for an Oscar for it. Um, hasn't had any success in a while. I did that weird uh, Lindsay Lohan movie that Brady Stiles uh, wrote. The Canyons. The Canyons. Yeah, yeah. The Canyons. <laughs> um, so yeah, where he, where he directed a scene naked. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, not a ton of success, but this is this is a, this is a good movie, and it's subject matter that I I don't particularly like, but I still I still enjoy this movie. Is it still out? Probably not. Uh, probably not. No. No, I don't right. think it exactly uh, killed the box office. All right. All right. Number three. I am still just scrambling here i'm gonna go you probably have this on here this is probably your number one mm-hmm. uh it was it's you were never really there it is my number one and i'm i'm, I'm glad <laughs> i'm glad you came around to it though because i know after we saw I it i don't want to then i don't want to go too much into it because right. you're gonna do a much better job with it than i will well let's are you, are you so you want to hold off on that one yeah because um, i know that my number three is also on your list i think leave no trace that's my number one that was gonna be my okay. number one so let's, let's just save let's, this for let's the last save them for the all right. all right cool uh, so give me your number th- okay. uh, two. All right, then I'm going to do Avengers right. Infinity War. Didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Any interest? Uh, if you asked me last year. <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember I texted you and I was like, uh, like in our group chat, I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna watch all of the, what is it? Is that Marvel? Yeah. I was like, I'm going to watch all the Marvel movies in order. I did not watch one of them. And when you said that, that motivated <laughs> me to do it and I did it. Oh, you watched them all? I watched them all. Well, oh, wow. Well, here, I'll tell you, I'll go through my entire, it's such a not exciting story, but mm-hmm. The first Marvel movie, we have a friend, Vince, who will most likely be on this podcast at some yeah, point. We'll let him on for the superhero episode and the Quentin Tarantino episode. Yeah, he's the biggest Marvel <laughs> fan I ever met in my life. Very dedicated. Um, he's been trying to get me for years, like since like Avengers 1 came out, to mm-hmm. get on board with any Marvel movie or anything. Is X-Men the, Marvel? Yeah, he's got he tells me to watch Logan I mean, every day. There's, I think they are. Like Deadpool's Marvel, but they can't, I don't know, like... So, okay. Sony owns them or something. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Either way, um, first Mar- Marvel movie he got me to see was Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. and I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, I, I like that. I almost saw the first one, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it was done, I was like, "All right, that's it. I think I'm good. I got I did it. <laughs> I watched your Marvel movie. Stop bothering me about it." Mm-hmm. He continued to try to get me to watch more. So you didn't see like his Iron Man Marvel? Yeah. You, you didn't yeah. see like the first Iron nope. Man? Oh, really? No. I saw. Guardians in the theaters, so I think that was like 2014. Wow. Yeah. Then I stopped. Um, I think he got me to watch like the second Captain America. So I'm just watching so many of these movies, like I saw willy nilly, like no timeline. Yeah, I saw the first. I've actually seen a good amount of these. I think I saw the first Captain America. I just watched it on Netflix. Like I remember, it was like I woke up one morning and just started watching it. And just yeah. finished it. So that was all right. And then Thor. Ragnarok comes out. That's Thor three. That just came out back in November two thousand seventeen. Yeah. He like begged me to wa- see that. He's like, it's not like the other Thor. It's so much better. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be like Guardians. I was like, fine, I'll do it. So I went. 
Loved it. Then I saw the trailer for Infinity War, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, let me just watch all of these. Um, but I didn't do it. <laughs> I said I was going to watch all of them. I didn't yeah. do it. Then you said you were going to do it. <laughs> and I did not. I didn't watch one of them. motivated <laughs> me to watch all of them. And that's the story. Now so I'm kind of kind of on board. So you watch all of them, and then you go see Infinity War. And I saw Infinity War. It and does a good was, job pulling it I together. It so, yeah. It's such a good... Um, they said it was going to be the crossover event of the century or something like that. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't call it all that, but they uh, did then a, I, uh, I guess they didn't see the, uh, the family matters full house crossover. I guess, they, I guess they missed that one because, <laughs> but they did a great job with it. Um, like the pacing is so good. I yeah. feel like everybody gets just enough time and everybody's time on screen is great. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Who directed they the brothers? The Russo, Russo brothers. brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I, I, cause that, I mean, you're committing to that movie. What is it? Two and a half hours, two forty. Yeah, two forty. And when I saw that, I was like, that, that that's probably short for what they have to do in this movie. Yeah, it felt short. And to have like a through line and to have a new villain, right? Josh Brolin was a, that's yep. a new character. Well, he yeah, or he shows up. He like, shows up one or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert, nerds. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I thought it was really good. So if you want to watch like nineteen other Marvel movies. Or there's like a... It's a commitment. You can do like MCU recap on YouTube, and there's a great video about recapping everything. Um, it's definitely still in theaters, too. It comes out in like a week, but it's still in theaters. It's just going to be in theaters forever. Oh, Infinity yeah. Infinity War. War. Oh, yeah. That'll, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, it'll be in there for, for two years. All right, number two. This is definitely out of theaters. I think I saw like the one night it actually played in theaters. Um, American Animals. Uh, have, you, have you heard of this? Yeah, I've so, heard of it. Yeah. So... The reason I wanted to see it is uh, Barry Keoghan right. is the star. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the movie Rabbit Hole, I swear to God, you can ask a DR other friend who, who came up with the title and will, will be on the show. We saw Rabbit Hole. Miles Teller was in Rabbit Hole for probably six minutes. Walked out of the theater, and the first thing I said was, like, that guy's going to be huge. I had no, no idea who he that. was. No idea who he was. So that I guy's saw that be with huge. you. I remember that. So I started seeing Barry Keoghan in like Dunkirk, and I'm like, all right, this is this is an actor. And then he was in um my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies of last year, the Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, the Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, the Greek guy, um, his follow-up to the movie The Lobster, which was my favorite movie of, of three or four years ago, whenever that was. But Barry Keegan is is playing opposite Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman. I'm just like, all right, this guy's awesome. He's like an Irish kid. Yeah. And I'm just like, this guy's awesome. So I'm going to see this movie. Now, what, what really put me off for the movie was it is half documentary and half live action. The Bart Layton is the director. He's some British guy. He he did a movie called The Imposter, which looks awesome. It was a documentary about a uh, about a guy who convinced these people that he was their long lost son. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but uh, I'm interested in checking that out. So he meshes. So it's interviews with the people that this took. Well, the film is about uh, four guys who go to uh, college in Kentucky, and at at the, it's called Transylvania University. It's a true story at the college. Um, they have a book and it's called the birds of America. So there's this guy, I can't remember. I think his name was John Audubon and he went into the woods basically to paint birds. He was like depressed and it, it's just, it's like the book is like, like the two, it would take two of us to carry it. It's probably like, a, it's a huge, huge book of, it's just a book of paintings. Yeah. Um, so Barry Keegan's character is like a kid. He plays an artist and he's got this friend, um, named Warren, who's like a, just a loose cannon. Like everyone, you can really relate to the characters in this. You're definitely one of the four. Um, and, in that way, you could see like, okay, I could see how me and three of my friends would come up with a plan to steal this book of paintings, which he finds out through like a tour of the college that it's the most valuable book in the world. Yeah. So the heist does not go smoothly because these guys aren't criminals. They're just kids. And 
the way that it's it's it works as just a heist movie, like a kind of a comedy of errors type heist movie, and a documentary. Like I would watch a full documentary about this or a full movie about it. But the way he he puts it together and he he uses like he he just he uses just the right amount of interviews and interjection. And at the end, it's like it's just he does such. I don't want to give away the ending, but he a couple times works like character like the real people into the movie mm-hmm. so there's like a scene and this is this is fairly early in the movie when they're kind of coming up with it the barry keegan character and this other guy and uh they're sitting in a car outside of a gas station and the barry keegan character like goes in to get cigarettes or something and they cut back to the car and the actor playing this guy warren and warren are sitting in the car together yeah and they're just like having a conversation and the guy, the actor is like, so is this how it went? And the real Warren's like, I don't know, listen to what he says. Like he remembers better than me. <laughs> like just stuff like that. Yeah. It, it, sound, it probably doesn't even sound like uh, like appealing, but it's just, he, it's so well done. I was I was just completely, right. completely amazed by it. Um, so like I said, it, you can relate to the characters and you can almost think like, like, okay, yeah. Like I understand what they were thinking. And maybe it's just because we're of a certain age. Um, and I know that a huge issue that a lot of people have with the movie was like, well, it's begging us to be sympathetic to these people by showing them tell their sob stories. But you don't, I, I just, I didn't pick up on that. Like, like some people may have done. Right. Um, there's a show called uh, wormwood on Netflix and it's a uh, Peter Sarsgaard plays the guy. And then it's, it's the same deal. It's half documentary, half true story. And I watched a little bit of that and it just didn't, it didn't work as well. It just didn't flow. Um, this, this works for, for yeah. this, this device. They it, figured it, it really out. Does. Yeah. 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 All right. So you want to get into your, uh, well, let's let's recap real quick. So, give All us your right. five through five through two. Five through two. So, what we're going over? Just just quickly, yeah. Just just recap them. Okay, so I said a quiet place. Yep. Sorry to bother you. Mm-hmm. Avengers: yep. Infinity War. And that's and then oh, and you had, had never read. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, and so mine were uh, totally first reformed. Leave no trace. What we're about to talk about was my third, and American Animals my second. So let's talk. Uh, leave no trace. You're, you're, right. you're number one. Tell me about it. Um, I went into it completely blind, which I feel like I haven't done with a movie in a long time. Didn't mm. know a single thing about it. Didn't watch a trailer. Went based off the fact that you guys loved it. You guys were talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So me, Dean and Vince all saw it, maybe like even the same day, but not, not together. Um, and I, I had to I had to sleep on it. When I, when I first saw it, it basically Ben Foster plays... Uh, an ex-military guy who has some sort of PTSD and lives in the woods with his his like 12, 13-year-old daughter, I guess. Yep. Um, that's it. And they're, they're living in a public park in Oregon, so they're trying not to get caught. Right. And it starts out like, not to spoil anything, but the first yeah. like 10, 15 minutes is just them like going about their day in the woods. Yeah. yeah. So me going into it blind, I'm like, is this like a post-apocalyptic thing? Like, how did this guy get out here with his kid? Like scavenging, yeah, yeah, and well, I think I saw a trailer, so I knew I knew it was right. apocalyptic. <laughs> that would be that would be interesting to get into it. Um, so I guess I just had a very unique experience and personally with this movie. But it's it's kind of interesting because it's like we know movies sort of like this, and it's like like there's a lot of different there's a lot of different ways that it could get screwed up. It was written and directed by Deborah Granick who wrote and directed winter's bone, which I liked, but the downside of winter's bone was it launched this beast known as Jennifer Lawrence, who's just a surly, 
talentless hack at this point. I hope that doesn't happen to the girl who was in this movie because she was she was really really good. Um, but I could see it happening to her as well, oh, the, the Deborah Granik effect. But anyway, um, yeah. So there's like a, a part where um, where it's like, oh, we got to go into town, and it kind of shows them getting into town, and uh, the way that they afford stuff. I don't think this is giving anything away. Is so he does, and kind of the way they tell you has like this PTSD is. He goes yes. to like a VA hospital and they yeah. give him benzos. Benzos. Yeah. So he just sells them to like, like to he goes vets, like a homeless yeah. encampment filled with vets and sells mm-hmm. them to them. Um, so it does comment on on that a little bit and kind of how we hand treat our vets. Right. Um, but uh, it, it it really does a good job of just not falling into these like horrible tropes of this genre. Like I, I like really small movies. You ever see that movie? Um, Wendy and Lucy, just Michelle Williams and the dog. No. Kind of like she's like poor and just like walking around with a dog. Um, so that movie, there's like nothing else to it. That's I, like, spoiler alert, that's the movie. It's just her and yeah. this dog and she's poor and they're kind of walking around. And then there's that movie, uh, Ballast. Do you remember like a, a while ago? It came out. Yeah. And it was just about like a guy who you don't know kills himself in the Mississippi Delta and everyone's just dirt poor. And it's kind of focuses on this one kid. And it's just basically him walking around and like running into people who are upset about this guy committing suicide but there's nothing else to it so those movies are like fine to a point but this movie goes like an extra step so there's some like substance to it and it becomes so frustrating like the further it goes did you get that feeling as well like this is just annoying at this point that yeah i shouldn't i shouldn't necessarily say that but you kind of know what i mean like it seems like there's an easy fix to to the predicament that that they're not that there's a well you got I'm, I'm trying like, not to this, give anything away. I was yeah. just thinking, like, when is this guy going to, like, do, like, a 180? Yeah. Like, when, when is he going to do something for his kid? So <laughs> I didn't... Stop putting her in these, like, exactly. situations. Exactly. And it's, like, she's, like, hungry and it's, like, dangerous. Yeah. Um, and again, and there's different... There's a lot of... He comes to a lot of crossroads. And he always goes the way the audience would not want him to go. Yeah. But I think that that's the whole point of the movie is it you'll never be able to understand somebody with PTSD unless you're somebody with PTSD. Um, and it seemed like that other guy with PTSD did understand them. The guy with the dog, the dog. Yeah. 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 So definitely like the same stuff and one character. Yeah. Yeah. And and he sort of, he sort of, uh, got to a certain point and started to be at least okay. Mm -hmm. But the, the Ben Foster character, and this is, just an awesome performance by by Ben Foster. He probably says two words in it, but it's like it's really really strong. Yeah. The um, there's like a scene where he's kind of getting like a like a like a psych profile done yep. on him, mm-hmm. and uh, it's 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 yeah, he's he's a strong actor. I, yeah. It reminded me of a Joaquin Phoenix performance because right, yeah, yeah. he doesn't really say a lot, yeah. um, but uh, <laughs> says a lot with body language and like grunts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got, got the beard yeah. and um yeah, that's it's it's a real really good movie. I I I liked it a lot and, and maybe even the more I think about it the more it'll it'll climb my list. Um but yeah, it, it took me a night to kind of come to that realization like this is frustrating, but that's probably the point of the movie. And I, th- I thought it was well done. Ben Foster must have something to do with like the military because every every third movie he's in <laughs> he's got yeah. something to do with the military. Yeah, that's true. You ever see that messenger with him and Woody Harrelson? No. They're, oh man, that's a, I know that is a tough chest, right? sit. They have to go. They go like they're to the, homes and let people know. Yeah, they're the people who tell you that like yeah. your son, father, brother, yeah. sister, whatever died. Um, and they're like the fr- <laughs> it's like the first time Ben. It's not funny, but the first time Ben Foster has to do it, 
I almost had to like turn it off because him and Woody Harrelson are there and Ben Foster just can't hold it together and just like is bawling in front of this, these people and Woody Harrelson is just like, like they get through and Woody Harrelson is just beating the shit out of him. He's like, you cannot break down like that in front of, front of these people. And it's like, Woody Harrelson was actually nominated for, for an Oscar for that, that role supporting actor. Um, it was a good year. I can't remember who won, but Woody was, was up there and uh, yeah, that Ben, but I, and I saw like the movie Alpha Dog. That's probably my yeah, first introduction yeah, yeah. to Ben Foster. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this guy's, this guy's a good actor. He's good. Then I saw that and I was like, he's a good actor. And then I saw Hell or High Water. I was like, oh wow, this guy's like a great actor. And then I saw this and I was like, oh my god, like this guy yeah. was really. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's good that he's getting he's getting thought of for these roles. And Did you see Lone Survivor? No, no, I didn't even know he was in that. Great in that too. He's yeah. actually yeah, he's really good in almost. That's everything. a Wahlberg one, right? Yep. Yeah, it's another military one. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot of. Uh, I wonder what else. Uh, oh, wasn't he? Um, now I want to go through his whole. Oh, we're about to. <laughs> I was just thinking like what I think that's those are the four I've probably seen him in is he in um is he in like action movies I know he's like a I feel like he's a bad guy in a couple oh really couple he's movies. born in 1980 so he's not that old uh let's see oh he's oh he's gonna be in um oh man you'll like this uh n- oh wait what wasn't didn't Nick oh, okay so Nick Pizzolatto that movie Galveston, right? Uh, Melanie Laurent is screenwriting and directing it, and it stars Ben Foster. Oh, really? There's pictures out. What? Uh, after escaping a setup, a dying hitman returns to hometown of Galveston, where he plans his revenge. Ben Foster, Elle Fanning, um, star in it, and Melanie Laurent, writer director. Uh, so he was in um, Hostels, Warcraft. A Chris Stapleton music video, <laughs> The Finest Hours. Uh, that was Casey Affleck on the boat, right? Yes. He played Lance Armstrong in a movie no one saw. <laughs> he, he was in a street a streetcar named Desire, uh, I guess in England. Um, Kill Your Darlings. Uh, that, never mind. I haven't seen a lot yeah, of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through it. Kill Your Darlings. That, oh, Rampart, another Woody movie. Uh, the Mechanic, I kind of remember that coming out. Yeah, he, I mean... He's <laughs> in a couple episodes of My Name is Earl. 30 Days of Night. I kind of remember that. Oh, you know what? So, yeah, he was in 22 episodes of Six Feet Under. I never saw that show, but I, that kind of rings a bell. He's in the movie Phone Booth, uncredited. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's right, he's sort of... No, I mean, he's well, sort he's of... Good, he's doing good now. Yeah, he's, he's, he's getting his feet under him. But uh, that Galveston movie is interesting. It looks like... I don't. It should be out soon, but I haven't really seen anything or heard anything about it. And you would think the creator of true detective would have a yeah a little little bit of juice but not not the case hmm. all right you want to get into uh to my number one yeah let's get into it um you were never you really here were never really here do you like the, do you like the title i do yeah I, I like it too i don't i it was it the, there's a song in the movie is that part of the song i, I don't i tried to look it up but i don't know where it came from i actually didn't no i don't know i, I, I have no clue um uh, anyway, Walking Phoenix again plays a guy with PTSD. That's that's a theme in, in movies I like. Apparently, wait, he does have PTSD. Yes. Does it tell you like? Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. I you guess sort from, of like I get maybe he's like abused as a kid. He was um, he well, they they. It's pretty clear that he was abused by his father as a kid, and then there's right. like maybe three one second scenes of him in combat. If you remember. Yeah. I don't even know if they show, like, what happened. But they, I think they do, actually. But it's just very quick scenes of him in combat. Right. Like, the same the yeah. same look yeah, yeah. and feel as the ones of him getting abused as a kid. Yeah. They're just kind remember. of intercut. Yeah. 
I also heard um, an interview with Joaquin that Lynn Ramsey, Lynn Ramsey, the the writer and director of this movie, uh, sent him a uh, like a audio file, and it was just gunshots mixed with fireworks. And she said, "This is what's going on in in Joe, his character's head, at all times." <laughs> so oh, just just think about that. And when and when you when you know that, and you look at his face a lot, you can almost yeah. like you can almost see it. So wow. um, this movie is super 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 simple. It's uh, this guy lives in New York, plays, um, um, or he he's like a hired kind of a under the table hired gun for like a legitimate private detective, the private detective finds missing girls and then sends Joaquin Phoenix character Joe in to get the girls by any means necessary. And he basically just uses a hammer yep. and beats the hell out of people until That's he gets all the he girls. Needs. Yeah. So <laughs> it is all he needs. Um, the first thing that, that you'll notice about this movie and the thing that I really liked about it, and I'm not like uptight about violence. I, I really enjoy hostile and Saul and over the top violence, Quentin yeah. Tarantino violence. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, I, I, I prefer because I don't think anything could ever make me like want to leave a theater. Right. Um, but this shows the violence usually in its aftermath. So it'll be like, you know, maybe out of focus, it'll be like a body on a floor and then it'll just be like walking and like cleaning a hammer off. It's right. covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the one of the scenes that people might say is the most violent is all shown. It's in this like three story house um, where like these girls are held as like sex slaves basically so they have like security cameras and yep. all of the violence is shown through the security cameras yeah. in the house like, so you are like watching like the footage yeah the so you don't like yeah. but the whole it's like a pretty long scene so yep. that's a a big risk i think for for her to take as as a director um uh, because you are saying a lot about about violence in that in that one scene and mm-hmm. and she just sticks to it and it's probably five minutes long and you're just looking at security footage with no sound yeah um did you do you do you like that or would you have preferred it I to thought, just be a straight um, up I did like it, and I think there are ways that it could go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think she executed it well. Yeah. What uh, what else does she direct it? So she she directed um, I can't I can't really even remember how I came across this movie. I think it was her first movie. It's called Ratcatcher, and and oh, okay. she's yeah, she's yeah. Scottish. Um, right. And Ratcatcher. Uh, it's about like a little kid, right? Yeah, it's about a little kid in like a poor town in Scotland, and there's a trash strike. Yeah. Such so as like him and his friends playing trash, like running around playing trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 if it's not black and white, it's like a weird, it's a weird, yeah, it's like it's a weird, weird color like, to the mm-hmm. to the whole thing. Um, and that's like a, it's like a fine movie. And then she directed a movie called um, I think it's called Morvern Collar or something. And it's about a woman I think played by Samantha Morton. Is she the redhead from like the next right. to New York? Yeah, I can't. I, I think yeah, I'll look it up. I think it's played by Samantha Morton and um. Did not see that. Got got good reviews, and then she directed. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Okay, that's what, yeah. with a uh, John C. Riley, Tilda Swinton, and, and Ezra Miller. Um, so we need to talk about Kevin. I, I when I saw that, I saw that in theaters, and uh, it's it's non-linear. And I just said, if they just told the story from point A to point B, I think it would be a lot better. It's about a kid who who <laughs> who has troubles throughout his whole life, but but ultimately commits an act of violence and. Uh, the bulk of the movie is Tilda Swinton trying to deal with just a kid that she has no control over. And you can't really tell, does she hate the kid? Does the kid hate her? Um, it's super, super dark, but it's like a great, great performance by Tilda Swinton. Pro- right. I mean, the fact that she was not nominated for an Oscar for that movie and, and anyone that see that has seen it would, would back me up on that. I think is, is really a crime, but it is a tough subject matter. Um, so then I, I think 
the next thing she did was was this this you know you were never really here and uh it's <laughs> a pretty dark body of work for her yeah it is it's not a uh, nothing it looks like she has a couple shorts as well but um jesus yeah very dark and and you're never really as a dark you were never really here as a dark movie and it, it really it it takes place in new york and the the score is done by johnny greenwood yeah and it's 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 well i Haunting. guess what you would expect from him but the other thing is like just the sounds of New York, it's so loud. Yeah. Like the just a subway and he's always on the subway and yeah. horns and there's a point in a diner where he just you kinda get you're really always in his head. He's probably on screen every every scene of the movie, every minute of the movie is probably on. If I'm not Yeah, he, he yeah, he is. Uh yeah. Yeah, he is. Um but there's a scene in a diner where it, he just he can't focus because every single person talking he just hears it all, right. but it just is a jumble mm-hmm. and they work the audio out in such a way that, that you're feeling that as well. Um, so, so yeah, the movie it's, it's very simple. It's getting compared a lot to, um, taxi driver. The, the aspect of protecting a girl or the professional, the aspect of that is so minuscule in the movie. It's, it's yeah. like a, it's like a, yeah. it's just, it's like a, almost an afterthought. It, yeah, it's really his like internal. It's, it's all about, it's all about him. And, and there's like, for such like a rough, gruff character with like a lot of violence going on and, and all, all that fun stuff, there's some like like funny mo- funny moments. He takes care of his mom, yep. who's who's like older, and there's like there's a scene where really at the beginning of the movie, um, they get into like a little. She she pretends like she's dead, like sleeping, mm-hmm. and like scares him, yeah. and she says something about like psycho, and he does like the psycho like the <laughs> knife, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he like does that behind her back. So there's some like tender mo- moments like that. Uh, the violence is not violent. It, yeah. it, so it says right. a lot about that. And then um, the performance by Joaquin Phoenix, I, I think it's, and and I think it's maybe not his best performance ever, but I said after, right after we saw the movie, I said, I think this is the performance from Joaquin that makes him the best actor working today over Christian Bale. And I, I just don't count Daniel Day-Lewis because I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know what that guy's doing, but I think Joaquin leapfrogs Bale and Bale might get him back with this Dick Cheney thing he's doing. But I just think this is like, all right, this guy's now the best actor working. It's, it's, the movie doesn't work if he's really, not playing the character. It really is. All these, like, all those actors you just named, they're all kind of like playing leapfrog with each other. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's always it's something true. there where it's like, okay, now he's the best because it, it of this. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, I mean, but, but really, I, I don't, I don't really know who, who else you could lump into that. Is there, I mean, is there any other, like, I'll see everything that Christian Bale does, and I'll see everything that Joaquin Phoenix does, and I'll certainly yeah. see everything Daniel D. Lewis does. I don't know if there's right. another actor where I'm like, Michael Shannon is one for me that I would see anything he does. Philip Seymour Hoffman was certainly yeah. one. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, yeah, so those are our top five of the year so far. I don't think that You Were Never Really Here will be supplanted by by anything else coming out for me. Yeah. I, I think it's the best movie of the year. I don't think I'll see best. a better movie. I, I yeah, and and I, I mean I'm gonna kind of go back and and I sort of started doing this and looking, so you got to remember in 2007 is when There Will Be Blood, Michael Clayton, and No Country for Old Men came out. And those are three yeah. of my like they're yep. probably all my top 25 movies of all time. Yeah. Um. So if I go back 10 years to 2008, this very well might be the best movie I've seen in the last 10 years. Like I liked it that much. I I felt that's so crazy. The <laughs> same way about the lobster and, and, and well, it's not that crazy. I mean, I yeah. just. <laughs> For me, I thought it was really good, but I don't know. Maybe it was like, I think I want it more like given to me. Didn't you think it like didn't give you a lot? Like his backstory? Yeah. 
it, it doesn't. But that it, was all right for you, though? Yeah, that was... Because I, I guess... I don't know. I guess you can kind of almost draw the the conclusions in your head. Um, but yeah, I, I think that... So it, it is like a 70s movie. Like, it's just a New York-French connection, Scorsese-type 70s, like Mean Streets, just gritty New York movie. But those movies are like two hours and 15 minutes long and give you all the... It's all yeah. the story you need. This is such a mm-hmm. small story that I can see why since they probably could have given you a little bit more backstory about this guy or maybe even a little bit more, you, you understand kind of what he's doing, but maybe a little more clarity. Like he's just like in an office and you don't know if this guy's like a private detective or a criminal at first. You just, you just like don't know really what, is he yeah. good? Is he bad? Right, right. Um, but maybe that's, that's intentional. So I was, I was okay with it for, 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 for that reason. Um, the look of the movie is just, just yeah, great too. And, and we're just in a time where it's like, oh my God, there's no female voices in film, blah, 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 blah. Go see this, go see this movie. Like there's nothing, st- Lynn Ramp, female director. Yeah, if you a want a female, female writer director, it, it's cause she's a little bit chubby. She's Scottish and no one knows who she is that she doesn't get the Greta Gerwig treatment where it's like, ah, oh, Oscars, here they come. Right, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not endorsing anything else that he's saying from here on out. I do it, think Lynn it, Ramsey it, should be recognized. Yeah. I do not agree with anything else after but, that part. But, <laughs> but it, honestly, it's just like, all, all I hear about is, I, I mean, Scarlett Johansson can't, can't act in a movie anymore because she's not. The, the the same persuasion or, or whatever you call it as the individual that she's playing. And I get it when it's like you try to make Charlie Theron play an Asian woman. That that's ridiculous. But trying to get Scarlett Johansson to play a, a transvestite, I think would be an interesting acting challenge. Sure, yeah. Um, men have done that. All. Mm-hmm. William, William Hurt, D's favorite movie ever, the kiss of this. Oh wait, is he transvestite or is he just gay? Um, no. yeah, clean, clean that part up in post. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't swear to that. I, I Jared Leto, Dallas Buyers Club. Exactly. It, so yeah. it, it's it's like, yeah, that, <laughs> I went back to like 1968, <laughs> the kiss of the spider woman, <laughs> when, when a guy won an Oscar two years ago for, for doing <laughs> couldn't couldn't quite pull out, pull out that, that example. Um, but I, yeah, we're just, I mean, this is a... Behind Catherine Bigelow, who I still champion Detroit to everyone I, I talked to, she should, have, she should have been nominated over Greta Gerwig, certainly for, for an Oscar last year, and some other people. This is a movie that is going to get overlooked on Lynn Ramsey. And I saw an interview with Lynn, Lynn Ramsey, and she was being interviewed by another female filmmaker. And the woman said, like, hopefully you get through the movies you want to do now. And she was like, I am. Yeah. She's like, yeah, this is like what I want to do. <laughs> like, this is fine. I, I, not everyone needs fame like Greta Gerwig does. So she's kind of <laughs> just picking on uh. Greta Gerwig. Um uh yeah so that's uh all right that's uh you were never here i would check it out um we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back all right and before we say goodbye uh we're gonna we're gonna end every episode with us recommending a movie uh uh for you guys to to check out um I'm going to kick us off here, uh, and, and the movie I want to recommend is Kicking and Screaming, not the Will Ferrell movie, uh, the Noah Baumbach movie from from the, uh, I guess it was from the, the mid-90s. Um, two reasons that I want to I want to talk about Kicking and Screaming. I saw, and we'll talk about this um, when it comes out, but uh, I saw like a sneak peek of the of the movie Eighth Grade, and it was... Uh, it was hosted by uh, Harlan Jacobson, who's a, a film critic. And after the after the movie, um, he gave his thoughts on and took some like audience questions. And um, the movie's the written and directed by Bo Burnham about an eighth grade girl in eighth grade. Uh, her father's played by Josh Hamilton, who stars in Kicking and Screaming. And I thought Josh Hamilton's performance in eighth grade is is really really good. And eighth grade's kind of all about anxiety and and you know 
the fear of the unknown of what's what's coming next, what's coming after eighth grade. And kicking and screaming is all about the anxiety of what's coming after college. So it opens up at a graduation party. These four friends graduate college, and one of them, uh, his girlfriend, moves to Prague. This is Josh Hamilton's character. So he's very upset about that because they had plans to move to Brooklyn together. Um, one of the guys is like rich and just kind of unmotivated. One of the guys has, has a job and just, just doesn't want to go. Um, and then the other guy is sort of just a, uh, uh, sort of just like a, not, not really a motivated student in college. And he has a girlfriend who's going to be a senior. So he's just hanging around. So they all just hang around for a year after college. They just live in the same house. They were living in college. It's not doing anything. Um, it's, it's one of those, I don't, I don't, is is mumblecore like the kevin smith quentin tarantino dialogue movies i guess because it's yeah, just I'd, i've heard that it's just know. like I, I think that i thought that's what it was but it's just guys yeah. talking right they're just right. talking the whole movie and mm-hmm. um there's a lot of really really funny stuff in it but josh hamilton's performance and that is great this guy's really worried about the unknown the girlfriend leaves him in it, it the the focal point of the movie is him and his relationship and it flashes back to how they met and and everything um it's no i think it's noah bombeck's best movie and i really like this in the whale a lot uh, but I, I think that this is at least my favorite of his movies. Um, so I would check it out. It's on Netflix now. Um, so if you, and I think that, you know, they're comparing um, eighth grade a lot to Lady Bird because it's an A24 release and they're actually calling eighth grade Baby Bird because, <laughs> uh, of course, the Sears Ronan character in Lady Bird is going to college. This girl's going to high school. And then Kicking and Screaming is, you know, this Josh Hamilton character going into the adult world. So, you know, watch them all. Watch them all together. I think there's all kind of a through line through it. And Josh Hamilton's really good in, in both movies. So uh, Noah Bombeck's Kicking and Screaming available on Netflix now. If you don't have Netflix, I'll give you my password and you can watch it. Uh, all right, good wreck. Yeah. Is that yeah. it? Have you seen it? <laughs> I I, uh, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, you like it? I uh, can't think of a recommendation. Um, we were talking about Miles Teller a little. Yeah, we were. A moment ago. The great Miles Teller. You uh, predicted he was going to be great. I I think I'm a fan of only one movie he's done. <laughs> what, what what has he done? Uh The Spectacular Now, which I did not like, but it's got like it got incredible. It. I just know reviews. he did the Fantastic Four reboot and did, it wasn't good. He did a film called Whiplash. That's what I was gonna <laughs> okay. that was gonna be my wreck. That was yeah, the only one I like. Whiplash is, is Whiplash is a movie directed by uh Damien Chazelle who directed La La Land recently. Mm-hmm. Did that win or did it did, there was like the big mix up? Who won in the mix-up? I forget. Was it, uh, was it Moonlight? It's <laughs> <laughs> a pointless. Get, no, one re- no one remembers this stuff. Either way, uh, Damon Chazelle directed Whiplash, stars Miles Te- Teller. He is a jazz drummer, and J.K. Simmons plays his instructor, who is a complete psychopath. He won the um, supporting actor Oscar for that role, I believe. It's pretty, yes, pretty he did. incredible. 2014, um, wow. He was already four years old. Such an intense movie. You should watch it for the editing. The editing is amazing in it. I believe it won an Oscar for that as yeah. well, right? Yeah. F- try to focus on that when you watch it. Um, oh, it's wait. so good. No. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yes, it did. It won editing. Tom Cross, good job. And it also won a sound mixing. They make a movie about drumming super intense. And they do a good job with scenes of a guy just sitting there drumming. <laughs> yeah. When, when we're... I don't know. I don't when know we're, to... Maybe, maybe uh, this will be a topic... Uh, moving forward but um the best movies directed by somebody under 30 uh this yeah. i mean we could do under 25 i think he was like 23 when he made this wasn't he yeah he was really young i think that uh you know in, in the I, I 
I guess Orson Welles was like 27 or something when he made Citizen Kane and, and Paul Thomas Anderson was, I don't even want to know. I guess Paul Thomas Anderson was 20. He dropped out of, he dropped out of college. I don't know if this story is true. And when we get Paul Thomas Anderson on the podcast, we can certainly, we can certainly ask him. Um, he was going to school at NYU and he had a writing assignment and he handed in uh, like a short story or something, or, or maybe a one act play written by David Mamet. And he got a C on it, so the professor didn't know that it was David Mamet and gave him a C, gave David Mamet a C for a published <laughs> piece of work. And then Paul Thomas Anderson just left, and he took the money his dad gave him to go to college to make the movie Hard Eight with Philip Baker Hall. Is that guy's name? Yeah, mm-hmm. Bookman, the library yep. cop. Yep. <laughs> um, with Philip Baker Hall and uh, John C. Riley. Um, so he was he very well could have been twenty two when he made Hard Eight, and I think he was twenty four, twenty five when he made Boogie Nights. Which is yeah, let that sink in. But that's that's just. I mean, it, it happens in sports. So why not? Uh, like, like, yeah, that's true. You know, Ben Simmons is eight twenty, and he's just he just understands basketball. I think mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson just. I, I just don't know how you. Simmons I don't know how you do it. Movies. Like how how did it, it? It just it baffles me. But he's just a prodigy. So yeah, that that could be an interesting topic though. Best best movies by directors under a certain age. But uh, yeah, uh, Damien Chazelle who looks he looked every like when he was at the oscars he looked every every bit of whatever he was 24 yeah, 25 right, right. um but yeah miles teller is great uh, that's that's one of the two movies that i can remember uh me and d walking out of at the same time uh and d just being like well that was the best movie ever and the other one was the hurt locker because right. i think that a big part of there too that just caught us off guard yeah like totally caught us off guard yep. like well, we don't know what this is going to be the hurt locker especially that was supposed to go straight to video and it, like got a release yeah, it's crazy. um yeah it's 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 crazy. So, uh, kicking and screaming for me and whiplash for Shawnee. Those are our, our recommendations this week. Um, hopefully you'll join us next week. We're going to be looking at the best opening scenes in films. Do you have one in your head right now? I don't. don't, don't oh, you don't? Yeah, no. No, I, I got to explore I, this. I do. And if if you don't agree with me, there will be beef on this podcast. Because I don't. I, I, this is gonna this is gonna consume me for the rest of the week. Because I'm not gonna be able to think of anything better than this opening scene. Oh, and and it's interesting, and this is this is this is a very long teaser. But when I saw this movie in theaters, I was with you, and I said to myself, as the scene was unfolding, I said, "This is the best opening scene in the history of film." I am intrigued. So you think about that. I th- right. you're, you're definitely going to come up with it. You'll definitely come up with it. Um, but that'll be uh, that'll be next week. Um, so I guess the plan is is each week we'll we'll do some maybe news and notes and stuff. We'll have one topic. Uh, be it a director, an actor, a genre, something like best opening scene. Um, we'll we'll kind of go through the careers of some people and and some of our thoughts on kind of a, a wider wider net of movies. Um, and we'll get you a little recommendation. Um, like Shawnee said, we're going to have some people on the podcast as well. Uh, so this this concludes episode one. Um, one down, ten thousand to go. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll one see. one we'll down. See. Um, see if we have time. Right now we have a. Right now we have an Instagram. I made one. It's, uh, Do we? <laughs> yeah, Magnolia Pictures followed us. Huh? Yeah, already. Isn't, they must just follow everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> or they're looking to sue if I like said something about a Magnolia Pictures film. That's Paul Thomas Anderson, right? Doesn't he? Uh, do Mag- or he, no, he did a movie called Magnolia. He did, yeah, he did a different thing. <laughs> I, I think uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is uh, Annapurna Pictures. I think that's mm. like the Megan Nelson thing. Uh, so the handle is Last Pod Show. Um, we also have a Gmail, which is uh, lastpodshow at gmail.com. 
uh, we're going to be on, well, obviously we got to submit this to iTunes. So you probably won't hear this for a week after done recording it anyway. But, uh, once we get on iTunes, we'll, we'll provide that. Um, but, but we'll be putting, putting links out on our personal Facebooks and Twitters and on the, uh, on the Instagram for, for the site. Is that it? That's it. All right. So for, uh, Shawnee, I am Joe. I got to think, so I can't say saying bye because we do it on the Lexus Sport the podcast. Lexus Sport, yeah. Yep. Can't can't do that. Joe had another podcast before this one where he talked about sports. Oh, we we still we still have it. And now he's talking about movies. Oh, it's Yes, life's a sport. Listen up. Find that on on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Me and Shane go over uh, the world of sports each week. Some some good stuff on there. I think we're about fifty two three episodes in. Uh, but until next time, uh, oh boy, I'm trying to think of something movie related, something funny. I don't know. We'll figure it out, guys. All right, stay with us. Later.